Good morning, this is Pastor Jim News, and this is Truth in the Word on Biblical News Report Talk Radio. It's the 18th day of April 2020. We're broadcasting today from North Central, West Virginia. Going to continue on today in the book of John, talking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ being laid in the grave. Uh, The finality, so to speak, as many uh, would think and say, of we'll find out that uh, he had prophesied many times about his um, coming out of the grave on the third day. <clears throat> he, he said in the word of God, he says, uh, uh, a wicked and a perverse what generation looks for a, a sign. He said there's one sign given. He said that's a sign of the prophet Jonah. In three days he laid in the, in the belly of a fish. On the third day he was resurrected or spewed out, so to speak. So today we're going to talk about the burial of our Lord and Savior. Uh, we're going to find here that a man named Joseph of Arimathea and a man named Nicodemus, who was a teacher, uh, are the ones that's going to both, by the way, high-ranking religious figures in the Pharisees and also the Sanhedrin. So John 19, verse Verse 38, and after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of who? Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Okay, Joseph of Arimathea was a secret disciple uh, he was um, uh, he believed in Christ. He, he had accepted Christ. Of course, he would have been ostracized, so to speak, if, if he would have uh, come out and said so. Of course, him burying Christ probably points to something. Uh, we're not told of any aftermath, but, uh, but they was going to prepare the body of Christ. Verse 39, and there came also Nicodemus, which... At the first came to Jesus by night, and they brought a mixture of mirth and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Nicodemus was a teacher. Uh, He was the one that Jesus taught you must be born again or born from above. Uh, He said, how can a man enter back into his mother's womb and be born again? And, and, And the Lord said to him, he said, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't know this particular concept. Of course, he didn't. But uh, after that, I'm sure that he did. And that word Nicodemus means victorious among the people. Of course, he was a, a what Israelite, and he was a teacher. 
And they brought a mixture of mirth and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. So this is what's known as the embalming process uh, that was done by wealthy Jews. And it's been very, very costly because of the, uh, uh, the, the mirth and the, the aloes, which is what, uh, what that, which does what preserves. And, uh, it shows at the time that that they don't they don't expect Jesus to raise from the dead. Uh, they were embalming him for a permanent incarceration in the tomb. Uh, when he gave up the ghost on the cross, many many gave up, and uh, they didn't believe he's going to raise. They just simply did not believe. That could happen, although many times he had spoken to them that on the third day, he said, he said, destroy this temple on the third day, I will raise it up again. And the significance of that, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and became first fruits of death and conquered death, hell, and the grave by starting his process in the judgment hall of Pilate, on into the cross, giving up the ghost on the cross, dying a horrible, horrible death, and laid in a tomb. And as far as through the eyes of man and the people at that particular time, he was going to be in that tomb forever. They did not see the concept of, of resurrection. Although when he, had laid, when he had came to raise Lazarus from the dead, he told Lazarus' sister, he said, he said, he will raise again. He will rise again. And she said, I know. She says, I know who you are, and I know that in the last day, the resurrection day, he will come out of the grave. She, he, and he said, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except it be through me. So he's the resurrection today. Still is, because of what he did. By one man, sin came into the world by Adam. But by the second Adam, by another man, Jesus Christ, the answer of sin came. The deliverance of sin, the eradication of sin, the answer for sin lies at the finished work of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. That's the answer today. I might be so simple as to say that the cross, and what he did at the cross, is the answer for men's dilemma. He addressed everything that man needs to finish work. There's nothing, listen to me, there's nothing we can do for ourselves. Now, I know that beats on our pride. But the fact is that men cannot save themselves. All they can do is yield unto the plan, the perfect plan of God, Jesus Christ crucified from the foundation of the world. That's the plan. And that's the only plan, the only answer for man. 
You say, well, that's being narrow-minded. No, that's being that's preaching the gospel. And Paul said, if anybody preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The answer for me and you today is the finished work of Jesus Christ. So they weren't really planning on him come out of the grave. They didn't see that. It was a very, very sad day for those that loved him and for those that cried crucify him. It was a happy day. Little did they, did, did they know that they, uh, they, they, they sealed some things because of their rejection. They, they were uh, The Bible declares in Isaiah 6, also in the book of Romans, Jesus talked about being judicially blind, the heart of the people becoming fat, not being able to see the Messiah because they rejected him when he came. Spiritual blindness. So they laid him in the tomb in this murk, which is a perfumed oil, an ointment. And they was was the way that they embalmed people. This was, in their eyes, a permanent situation. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury or embalm. Now the body of Jesus, which he was dead, lifeless, his body was dead. Now there was some activity going on outside the body. Let's talk about that today. But the body, the sacrifice, the living sacrifice, was being laid in the grave. And what what's the significance of that? I, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 10 and read you, if I could, that chapter. And the writer says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and, 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 not very, and not the very image of things, can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Of course, He's talking about the sacrifices of animals, bulls and lambs and bullocks and things of this nature. How once a year, the high priest, with the day, on the day of what atonement, Yom Kippur, they would go behind the veil and offer the animals, the priest himself being readied, uh, being cleansed. If he wasn't, he would drop dead. God's holy. And the sacrificial system, which they was about to do when they crucified Jesus, that very Passover, they went again once into their temple and slayed the lambs and all the animals and things of its nature. And the real Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world was hanging on a cross without the city, the Bible says, or without the gate, outside the gate. Verse 2 in Hebrews 10. For, when, for then they wouldn't, not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. So it wasn't a one-time deal. It was yearly. Okay. 
There had to be a sacrifice for sin, which was God's system at that time. God's economy, the, the sacrificial system was, the, was put into place, and it was ordained of God, told to by Moses and Aaron through the Levites. And once a year they did this. But the purging never happened. It had to take place every year, the final purging of the sins. There had to be, had to be these animals were sacrificed once a year. Verse 3, see, he asked the question, for then would they not have ceased to be offered? In other words, if, if this was the answer, if these animals being sacrificed on the altar were the answer, then why did it have to be done every year? Why did it have to be repeated? Verse 3, but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible, the writer writes through inspiration, that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Now, it's not possible. What was the significance of it? Simply a covering. Simply a covering that had to be done every year. Verse 5, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, who? He, who? Jesus Christ. Why did he come? Why did Jesus Christ come? To bear the sins of many. To destroy the works of the devil. To be the only mediator between God and man which is the man, Christ Jesus. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, in other words, that system is going to pass away, but a body hast thou prepared me. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. And immediately... The Jews knew that referred to the Passover that was first instituted in Israel. God said, for this shall be a new day for you, a new beginning for you. When this happens, you're coming out of Egypt. The death angel will have no power over you. But John said, I'm standing here as the forerunner of the one that's going to eradicate sin from the world to those who will accept him. Now, is there sin in the world? Yes, of course there is. We live in a fallen world. But to the believer, Romans 6 says that sin shall not have dominion over you. For there's no condemnation, Romans 8, 1, to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. But a body, he says, thou hast prepared me. He's quoting Psalms 40, verses 6 through 8. He says, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins. Now listen, listen, this is the mind of God. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. Thou hast had no pleasure. 
So they really didn't get it done. Jesus is the only one that ever kept the law to the T. The only one that was worthy to be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. The perfect sacrifice that God allowed to be hung on a cross to be a substitute for me and you because there's no way that me and you could have ever kept the law. No man ever did. Well, they loved it. They wore it on their chest. They, they even added to it. They, they had the written law, and then they had the spoken law. And then law after all, and I forget how, 900, 800, I forget how many different laws. Just, just pure legalistic religion. They've got nothing done or nothing accomplished. I'm sorry, it doesn't get it done. Religion gets nothing done except, except cause people to be bitter. But when you look to Jesus, he's the answer today. Because it says, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Verse 7, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. To do thy will, O God. What's he talking about? Talking about the Old Testament. In Genesis 3, 15. Genesis 3.15. Let's read that. Let's read that. The first prophecy, the very first prophecy of redemption for men. See, because of the fall, because of, of, of the failure in the garden, men, me and you, need a redeemer. And I say man, I say mankind. All, of you, all of the human race needs a redeemer. So after the serpent had beguiled Eve, the Bible says Eve was deceived, Adam wasn't. Adam chose to, to eat the fruit. And he was he was pronouncing the out the 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 fallout from the disobedience. And of course we know what he he told Adam, thou shalt earn the living by the sweat of thy brow, thorns shall be your fruit. And uh, Eve it was uh having pain and labor pains in birth. And then he talked to Satan, with the serpent, so to speak. And he says in Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity or hostility between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's talking about Jesus Christ. You know, talking about, this is way before the law was instituted. So the law per se, the Bible says, is simply a mirror. And when we look at it, we see our shortcomings. And we it defines sin, but never is it the antidote for sin. Never, never. Because you can't keep the law. I can't keep the law. There's only one that did. I'm repeating myself, I know, but there's only one that did keep the law. So he says in the volume of the book, or in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ was concealed. The hints and the typologies in the Old Testament that pointed towards the coming of the Messiah, Isaiah, Zechariah, Micah. You, I mean, you can read all these prophets that spoke of him. Even the psalmist David, Abraham said uh, 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 he looked for that day 
looking for a city whose builder and maker and foundation is God. That Abraham saw my day, he told the Pharisees. So this is the Son of God being laid in the tomb and the fulfillment of Old Testament Scripture. John the Baptist came out of nowhere pointing towards the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's the only antidote for sin. The blood of Jesus Christ covers a multitude of sin. His sacrifice covers a multitude. His work was finished on the cross. There's no need for anything or anybody to ever be the Messiah, and there'll never be anybody. Now, I know down through the ages there's been uh, several antichrists rise up. You know, they're the Christ. <laughs> no. No. Men are sons of Adam until they accept Christ. That's how we become sons of God. We're born sons of Adam. Adam was the son of God. Me and you were born sons of Adam with an Adamic nature or a sin nature. It's natural for us to sin. There had to be an answer, and there is, and it's Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Verse, verse 8, Hebrews 10 Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered, listen, by the law. So, do we, do we cast the law aside? No. Neither did he destroy the law, but he fulfilled the law. We read it, and we look at it, and it shows us who we are. But then the antidote is not in those words written on a tablet. It's in the name written on the tables of our heart. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, Hebrews 10. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, listen, or the law, fulfilled it, that he may establish the second which is the eternal covenant, listen to me, made through Jesus Christ. God is a covenant God, always will be. And he struck covenant with Abraham, with Noah, with many down through the ages, but he struck covenant with me and you through the blood of Jesus Christ, and there remains no more sacrifice for sin. doesn't matter how many religious things you do in a day. That doesn't save you. Now, Christian disciplines need to be done. We need to read the Word of God. We need to stay in our prayer closet. The Bible says pray without ceasing. We need to fast. We need to do all these things. But it's our faith in Jesus Christ. It's grace and nothing else. You say, what about James? Without what? Works, faith is dead? Yes. Because faith will produce works, but works in themselves will not save us. In other words, they will produce fruit. 
Mark those who labor among you. How do you mark them? By their fruit. I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Takes away the, the what? Levitical system and establishes the eternal covenant through Jesus Christ. By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The body's being laid in the tomb we're talking today. Of course, he's not there anymore. Verse 11, And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, listen now, which can never take away sins. So when people come around preaching you that you've got to keep the law, get away from them. Because you can't. And I can't. Bible says they can never take away sins. But this man, being Jesus Christ, but this man, after he had offered one, how many, one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And still there. How many times did the, the Levites, or the priests of the tribe of Levi, sit down? Never. Once again, the setting down indicates the finished work. Set by my right hand, in the book of Psalms, until I make your enemies your footstool. See, we haven't seen everything under the works of Christ when he did the cross. There's redemption of the body. There's, there's a resurrection coming for the saints of God. There's a new body a new mind, a new spirit. There's newness. He said, behold, I make all <clears throat> things new. <clears throat> There's even greater things to see in Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Listen now, verse 14. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified or set apart. But the Bible says sanctify yourself, okay? How do you do that? You relinquish to Jesus Christ. You make a conscious decision to follow him. Because it's the blood of Christ that sanctifies and sets us apart. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. How is this done? By the, by, by the sacrifice of bulls and lambs? No. And their sins and iniquities I remember no more through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin, or there's no more offering for sin needed. Now, down through the years, men have rose up, and they said, well, Jesus was a good man. He was a good teacher. He was a rabbi, on and on and on, but he, he didn't really finish his work. Yes, he did. It's foolishness. That's a lie. That's how a lot of culture found it, because some man gets an idea from some spirit, okay? 
and deceives many. Jesus said the very elect be deceived if possible. Many will come and deceive many. How? By pointing in another direction other than Jesus Christ. By leaving the foundation of Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. Verse 19, Hebrews 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldest to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus. Now, under the old system, how many went behind the veil? One, a priest. One priest prepared for days with through ceremonies and cleansings. But now through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can go boldly, listen, before the throne of God. The veil's been ripped away anyhow. But someone says in 20, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. They just wasn't burying anybody. They were burying the Messiah. <laughs> they were burying the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And at this particular time, they didn't see that he would be resurrected. Verse 21, And having a high priest over the house of God, listen, who's the high priest? Now it's Jesus Christ. Let us draw near, listen, my, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed. This is all through the blood, the washing of the word. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Now let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling yourselves together in the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approach. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, which is Jesus Christ. There remains no more sacrifice for sin. In other words, you, you can kill all your farm animals you want to. Actually, you can't. But only those to be used to butcher, of course. But but there remains no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So there you go. <clears throat> so the point is. If you look in any other direction for salvation other than Jesus Christ being crucified, you'll go find it. Now, you can embrace anything, and people are. They embrace churches, denominations, preachers, on and on and on, on, cliques, movements, blah, 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 blah. But what I've noticed down through the years is things come and they go. A lot of things, what we call fly by nights, a lot of revivals have been started down through the years. They're about running and flocking to them, but then, poof, they're gone. See, there's an endurance about the Word of God. 
And true revivals bring true results and bring fruit. And true revival will bring repentance and salvation and healing and deliverances and people's lives are changed by the power of God. So this man that they laid in the grave, Is the way. There remains no more sacrifice for sin. Back to John 19, verse 41. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a gardener, and in the gardener, a new sepulcher. In the garden, a new sepulcher. It was a garden, I'm sorry. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, which no man had ever laid in. This was the grave, the borrowed tomb. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't need one of his own, he wasn't going to be there long. Wherein was never a man laid. Verse 42, there laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day or the Passover for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So this this tomb was close to the spot where they were they crucified. In Isaiah 53, 9, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit or guile in his mouth. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This book from Genesis to Revelation, this Bible, talks about many things, but the theme is Jesus Christ being crucified. The way that men can overcome sin the way that men, according to the word of God, can escape eternal damnation with weeping, winning, and gnashing of teeth and with the canker worm never dies. You'll say, well, that's escapism. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Or if it's, well, it's a crutch. Well, who's my helper? Jesus Christ. Who's your helper? Jesus Christ. He helps us. He helps us. And if you're reading the Bible, you've got to do something about Christ. You can't stick him on a shelf, pretend he doesn't exist. You've got to deal with him. So you're going to do one of two things. You're going to receive him, which I pray you do, or reject him, which I pray you don't. And can I just tell you this morning, the time is certainly, certainly running down. He said in the book of Genesis, God said, my spirit will always strive with man. Grace and mercy and goodness is being poured out right now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can accept Jesus Christ. We have to choose to do it. Today is the day that the backslider comes back to Christ because he said, I'm married to a backslider. Today is the day you make a new commitment. That uh, 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 you become reinstated if you went back on God. Back in the day, they called it rededication. Allowing the Holy Ghost, Hebrews says, lay aside every way to sin that just so easily besets you. I've said it. 
probably over a thousand times on this broadcast that man's problem is sin. My problem, your problem is sin. We've got to deal with it. And you can't do it on your own. You can't be good enough or holy enough or righteous enough. Only through Jesus Christ. So the Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead and the quickening spirit made him alive again. For with the heart a man believes and with the mouth a man confesses. And tell him you're sorry, repent. And you decide that day you're going to receive him and turn and go in a direction which you will be led by the Holy Ghost. Call upon his name, and the Bible says you shall be delivered. Whatever state you're in today, I can tell you today that Jesus Christ can deliver you from a situation. A lot of time people look for thunder and lightning and callers, whatever, and that's not always going to happen. Things are done sometimes progressively, but if you receive Christ, and the Bible says you're, you're sealed with the Holy Ghost of promise against that day. And he says in his word, by no means will anything or anybody pluck you out of my hands. And whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved and shall be delivered. Won't you make that decision today? Maybe you went to church for years and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost turned on the light and you're not really saved. You might have, you might have been baptized. You might have, you know, you, you, you know, shook a preacher's hand. But the only thing that saves you is your acceptance and you're humbling yourself, bowing yourself down before the plan of God and the plan of God is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And He says, I'll give you newness of life. He says life and more abundant life. Because he says, for this reason was I manifested, that I might destroy the works of the devil in your life, where the powers of darkness is prone against you. He's the answer today. All dominion and all power and all glory be given unto him. Once you call on his name today. If you heed him today, by his stripes you're healed. He was chastised for your peace of mind, bruised for your iniquities. He done it all. It's finished at the cross. That's why he is Lord. Call on his name today. Cry out to him. Believe in him. Tell others of his love. As the woman at the well said, I knew a man who told me many things. <laughs> he knows all. He is all. He's God. And he's God in the flesh. And says by the Father's right hand now making intercession. And he's coming back very, very soon. And you accept him, you'll be looking for him. You'll be looking around for signs. Look at this happening, that happening. The coming of the Lord is nigh. The day of the Lord is nigh, which Peter says a dark and a gloomy day. The world's convulsing. The world is heading somewhere. 
And this earth as we know in itself will not be destroyed, but it's certainly going to be renewed and revamped. All of creation groans. For Satan now, where time and a period is God of this world, little g. But Jesus Christ is going to judge all that, cast all that down. For the kings of this world shall become the kingdoms of God and his Christ. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And you said, Lord, it won't come back void. We'll do that what you sent it to do. And we ask you today to touch and heal and deliver the people in Jesus' name. Bring salvation. Bring family salvation. Heal hearts. Heal minds. Repair relationships. God, my God, help us today. Bring healings and deliverances, God. Move in, the mighty, in a mighty way in Jesus' name. Help our minds and our hearts be set on you in these days in which we live, these last days. And we'll never fail to give you honor and praise in Jesus' holy and righteous name, we pray. You can catch our broadcast on the BNR Talk Radio and also Truth in the Word. Truth in the Word, Truth in God's Word. This is Pastor Jim Newsom. Until next time, God bless. I shall not want He maketh me to lie down in green pasture He me beside the waters of rest He